Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next amazing speaker to the stage, the talented founder and CEO of Gentry Kelly Cosmetics, Gentry Kelly, interviewed by the attorney and CEO, Blair Law Firm, the extraordinary Nelda Blair. Well, you guys are in for a treat today. With us, we have Gentry Kelly, owner of Gentry Kelly Cosmetics. And if you'd like to know how someone gets started in such a fashionable business, that you're going to learn today. Gentry, welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Very glad to have you. I tell you what, let's start with where you are now. And then we'll go back to where you came from. How's that? So tell us about your business. So if you have not heard of Gentry Kelly Cosmetics, um, I am a full line of plant-based skincare. I even have now medical grade skincare and a full line of cosmetics. And our tagline is the less is more, not ever looking overdone. And I felt like when I worked for all the other brands that I have under my belt, that was the biggest challenge is when you came into the store and you had your makeup done, you felt beautiful, but you could never recreate that. So our line is very education-based. It's very simple. It's very girl next door. If you look at my makeup, you can tell I have it on, but it doesn't look overdone. And that's what we want women to feel equally as beautiful every single day when they do their own makeup as they felt when they were inside the salon having their makeup done. How many of you have been to, have had that experience where you get your hair, your makeup done, you look fabulous, and then the next day you're like, how was that? How did they? Where did they? I always tell my team, I was like, if the client says to you at the very end, this looks beautiful, but I could never do this, then you failed as a makeup artist. You did not teach her how to do it. Excellent. So tell us where you have more than one store now, right? Yes. So we have uh, two self-branded stores. They're Gentry Kelly Cosmetics stores. And I wanted to create uh, more of a one-stop beauty shop, a place that you could go and get hair, makeup. Uh, we do a lot of brides, too, so you can get you know, your bridal portraits done there as well. Um, or cut color or get yourself a wig like I have on. Extensions, we do the whole bit. Um, and then I wanted something, too, where you could get facials, skin pins, Botox, kind of like the one-stop beauty shop. Uh, We also have about seven or eight retail stores and one to come really soon here that sell my brand too. Um, We're not sold in department stores. I don't know if I really want to go that direction. I kind of like the boutique, small hometown kind of feel with my uh, line because I feel like it gets more attention that way, um, more one-on-one and better customer service. So where are your stores in Houston? So I have one on the west side of town, if you guys are familiar with the Energy Corridor. We're at Eldridge and I-10. And then our home store, our home location that's connected to our warehouse is on 59. So just got a fresh new billboard with my face on it. (laughs) It was weathered and blew off in a windstorm about two years ago. And I always get texts, people saying, you really need to fix that billboard. I'm like, working on it. (laughs) So if I got a new billboard that has my face on, it actually looks like me, not an eight-year-old picture that was half blown off. I love it. Got to do what you got to do, right? (laughs) Yep. So, have you always been a girly girl and, you know, no. played... Ma- no. No, not at all. Oh, it's so us, funny. Tell people, us about the young gentry. People who, you know, follow now and they see how I am today versus how I was in third or fourth grade, they're like, you're not even the same human. So, believe it or not, I was a tomboy. I grew up on a cul-de-sac with all boys. I was the only girl. And I was just not interested in anything girl-related. I climbed trees. I caught frogs. I rode a four-wheeler. Um, 
I just was not interested. My grandmother would buy me those Barbies. Remember those Barbies you would collect? And she told me I was going to be a millionaire one day if I saved all these Barbies. And I had it until they dry rotted in my attic. And finally, I threw them away in my 20s. Um, but I was never really into playing with dolls. I was a tomboy and I was very entrepreneurial. So that came natural to me. I was always a salesperson. Um, I would beg my mom to let me have garage sales with the hoarding that was going on with my grandmother's garage. So she would take me to grandmother's house. I would pull things out of her garage. She'd take me to Apple Tree. Remember Apple Tree? We'd buy poster board and I'd make signs and I'd have garage sales. So that part always came naturally, but the beauty part did not. Talk about a natural. You had your own garage sales as a I kid. I did. I did. I had like $3,000 saved in a bank account because my mom's like, I don't even know how you're selling this junk for like four or $500 every time you do this. And I'm like, I was always just really good at selling things. I enjoyed selling things. I love the fact that she was a tomboy. I was telling her earlier, I stopped this morning on the way here to pick up a turtle in the road. And I told her, I also did that too. I went to college at San Jack, and I remember I was always running late for classes, and I'm driving up, and there's a turtle. It's like, someone's going to run him over. I have to save him. And he was absolutely a ready-eared, slider-snapping turtle absolutely. <laughs> with his toenail. So, uh, so you were, you're from the Houston area, right? Yeah, I'm from Friendswood, so south of here. So native Texan, right? Let's have it. Come on. Let's hear it. If you're a native Texan, you know we wear those with a badge of honor. And so... Um, when you started, well, let, let's just go there. How did you get started? So I very first learned makeup when I was 14. So let's back it up to third grade again. My mom put me in private art classes. Um, I really enjoyed painting. So I'd always had that art background, which I think made the makeup come a little bit easier. But I was not girly, so I had never worn makeup. Um, I was such a tomboy. My mom was like, we got to put you in, like some sort of school that's going to teach you how to be a lady. So she found Paige Parks, <laughs> paid whatever it was, $1,300 to have me go to these 13 weeks of classes in hopes of being a model. I was very, very insecure at 13. Um, didn't feel pretty, didn't relate to women. Like I said, I only wore boys' clothes, too, so just add that to it, too. Wouldn't let my mom, who was a hairdresser, cut my hair, so my hair was, like, down mid-thigh. <laughs> and she's like, I just need you to learn how to act like a lady. So I remember out of the 13 weeks that she would drive me into Houston. I cried the whole way there. I told her I hated her every time we drove up there. I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I don't want to do modeling. I don't know why you're making me want to go here. I'm not pretty. They would make me do public speaking where, you know, kind of like her commercial print, you'd have to get on a microphone and they would record you. And I felt really uncomfortable doing it. I was like, this is not me. But I remember on the 13th week, which was the very last week, they had a makeup class. Because if you're in modeling school, they want you to know how to be ready for like a go-see where you're you know, meeting with the department store, whoever you're modeling for. So I go in there, and of course, she took me to Clinique to buy a bunch of incorrect colors. <laughs> and I, I put this you know, really white face makeup on because it was the 90s. And it was the first time I had ever looked in the mirror and felt pretty. It was truly the very first time I looked in the mirror, and I, I didn't see my rosacea anymore. I'm German, Irish, English, Scottish, so if you have that genetic background, you know what I mean. We have KP on our arms and rosacea on our face. So I put that on, and I didn't see any redness anymore, and I put mascara on. You could actually see my lashes, and I was like, oh, my God, I feel pretty. So I remember going to school and telling people that I now knew how to do makeup, and if they wanted their makeup done, $10. <laughs> so I became, like, the go-to girl in school, in high school, if you wanted your nails done, because I also knew how to do, remember the gel nails you'd bake in the lamp? I would steal a, a lamp from my mom's nail shop and I'd bring it home and on homecoming I'd be doing very terrible crooked nails and um, doing their makeup for events. And so when I turned 18, I was in college. I was finally old enough to work at the department store. My mom said, do you want a job in cosmetics while you're going to school? Because I can get you a job at the clinic and they pay you $10 an hour. 
and minimum wage back then was 4.75. So I was like, I'm rolling in the big money. <laughs> so I took that job at Clinique. Literally had no idea what I was doing, even with that little makeup class, and, and royally jacked up a lot of faces for about seven years. <laughs> love it, love it. But there, I mean, that was a beginning for you, right? Yeah. And so then you started meeting people, right? Yeah. So I did that for about three years at Clinique. Um, started not taking my college so serious. I was going to San Jack and then U of H because I, again, kept getting raises because I was a really good salesperson. And by the time I was making $17 an hour, I'm like, who needs college? And so I was just dropping my classes just enough to get the insurance from my parents until that started to cap out. Um, and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of thought maybe I wanted to get into real estate, um, maybe like five years into it. Not a real estate agent, but I really enjoyed like, you know, the investment of real estate. Okay, let me get this straight. You're you're playing makeup for a living and you want to get in real estate. Yes. Very, okay, I'm glad that didn't I must have out. watched like one of those first DIY shows or something and got interested. I don't know where I got that thought from, but um, I was like, okay, I want to, I knew I wanted to be an architect or I thought I wanted to be an architect when I was still in high school. You know, when you're 16 and they expect you to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life right. and you're choosing which college you want to go to. I remember interviewing with the dean at U of H and he's like, you're going to have 21 hours a semester. You're going to be here 18 hours a day. You're going to get three hours to sleep and you're going to hate your life. I was like, okay, we're not doing that. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just get my basics until I decide. So the makeup thing was never supposed to be my career. It was just a really good paying college job. And um, I actually left, you know, three years after doing makeup at Clinique to go take a job selling janitorial cleaning services for commercial buildings. Completely opposite. <laughs> um, but I love the flexibility. I was able to focus a little bit more on school, take more classes, but I didn't enjoy the industry. It wasn't fun. It wasn't my passion. So I freelanced at Mac on the side. So I would work Monday through Friday there, and then Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday at Mac. So seven days a week, so you can imagine that was a lot for a very long time. Uh, I think it was like two years. And then by chance was at a wedding with somebody who was a manager at Neiman's. And she said... By chance. By chance. I was just complaining about how much I hated my janitorial job. (laughs) And she said, she said, well, we're hiring. So if you've ever heard of Bobby Brown, I can get you a position at Bobby Brown. I was like, I've never heard of her. This was 2004, maybe 2002. And I said, I've never heard of her before, but I'm willing to check it out. Keep in mind, if you guys know what Mac is, and I bet most of you guys do, very colorful. Everybody who sat in my chair got purple and green eyeshadow, okay? So I go from that to taking this job at Neiman's, walking into Bobby Brown, and every single eyeshadow color was brown. And I was like, I can't work here. <laughs> I gave it a week and I was like, this is, I can't do this. You got to put me with something else. And she's like, sorry, you got to stick it out for 90 days and then I can transfer if you still don't like it. But sticking with Bobby Brown was the best thing that I ever did for my career because I actually learned the art of cosmetics and natural cosmetics at that. And met some people as well, right? And met some people as well. So yep. I actually got to meet Bobby Brown when I worked there, which was huge for me. That was, she was always an inspiration of how she created, you know, something from nothing, from 10 shades of lipstick, if you know her story. Um, did that for five years. And to give you the short version of the story, I was passed up for the promotion. And Neiman's paid for the rest of my college, by the way. That was one reason why I left, is not only did I get, get back into cosmetics, the deal was they were going to pay for the rest of my school. And so they paid for the rest of my school, got a degree in business management, and then got passed up for a promotion. Regardless of the reason, I think it was because I was, at that time, 26 years old and didn't have any managerial experience. You think? I was mad. (laughs) I was mad. To put things politely, I was very mad. And so I put in my notice and and quit. Um, And I'm giving you the fast-forwarded version. And they were like, no, don't quit. We'll give you the Laura Mercier counter manager position. 
we just can't give you the Bobby Brown one because it's the biggest counter in the store. And I was like, why am I going to take the counter that's like 30% negative to last year? I was like, I don't have a chance to do well over there. And they said, well, that's all we have. And I was like, I'm leaving. So my customer, whose husband was a plastic surgeon, hired me. And that lasted about five weeks. He was, I was assisting him during surgeries, and I didn't know what a scalpel was. And so that didn't work out. And so um, I went back to Neiman's. <laughs> Yeah, kind of scary. Um, so, anywho, I'm like, I'm a makeup artist. I'm not a surgical assistant, but thanks. We will not mention his name yeah, in case won't. anyone in here. Um, so, anywho, so I end up calling Neiman's back with my tail between my legs. I really didn't want to go back. I had just finally left, you know. And I was like, is that position still available? And they're like, yes. It was, I think, a Thursday or Friday when I got fired. And I started on Tuesday at Neiman's for Laura Mercier. But another one of those things is like whenever you get down because you get passed up for something, this, the timing isn't right. Your, your future has a different path. And every single thing in my life has happened for a reason. Even at that time, I felt very down on myself or I wasn't good enough. I end up going to Laura Mercier and I do have a very strong personality that maybe it's a little bit of daddy issues mixed in there. But if someone <laughs> says that I can't do something, I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it 10 times better than you thought that I couldn't do it. So I remember when I came back to Neiman's working for Laura Mercier, it was when we had that free gift week, that beauty week, I believe they call it. And uh, I remember the, the manager that didn't promote me at Bobby Brown's, um, she came up and she's like, good luck to you today. And she's like, we're going to beat you or something like that. And I was like, huh. No, you're not. <laughs> so I went to my team and I told them, I was like, we're going to beat Bobby Brown today. And they were like, uh, we never beat Bobby Brown. I'm like, well, we're going to today. So everybody put their big girl panties on because we're going to beat Bobby Brown. And um, we did. We beat him for the first time and everybody was like jaws on the floor. But really it's because my point of difference was is I actually cared. And so when my customers saw me, they're like, what are you doing standing over here? And I'm like, well, I work over here now. Oh, well, it must be better. So I'll just, I'll buy whatever you think is good. And I was shifting that business over to Laura Mercier, and we went from a 30% negative decrease to a 30% positive decrease. And this was in 2007, when nobody yep, was buying yeah, anything. Give her a round of applause Neiman's for was that. trying Absolutely. to sell. Nobody had any money. Um, but I did it, and it was because I actually gave 110%, and I actually cared. And my thing is, and it still is today, if somebody walks in, don't clerk them. I can hire somebody at minimum wage to have them clerk. Sit them down. Make them feel good. And when you make somebody feel good, they're going to want everything. And if you teach them, they're going to feel confident they can use it. And if they use it, they're going to replenish it. So that's what I taught my team to and any, any brand that I've ever worked for up until then and now. I try to educate my team is, is sit the client down and make them feel pretty because to me, that's priceless. When you feel good, you, you do good. And I, I just, I love making women f have the tools and the education to feel like they can feel like that every single day. Absolutely. And by the way, it, for those of you in the room that might be on the younger side and the freshest generation, uh, if you didn't catch that lesson, when you're 26 and brand new, sometimes you don't get to be boss mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. But if you stick to it, do the, the work you need to do, you can become the boss. Yes. It works that way. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm constantly struggling with today with the new generation, you know, coming out of school is they want to go from zero to six figures without putting in the work. And I, I struggle with that and telling my team too, like I didn't just open my eyes and, and get here. I remember when I worked for Laura Mercy, I had the pleasure of meeting Janet Gerwich. If you guys probably all know who she is, um, she's the one who founded and started Laura Mercier with Laura Mercier. And she's a good friend of mine. We still stay in contact too. But I remember her telling me when I first started my makeup line, it's going to take you five years to make any money. And I was like, <laughs> watch this. 
She was right. I didn't even pay... <laughs> I didn't even pay myself. This is hard to believe, but I didn't pay myself a dime until I said, if I hit a million dollars in sales total, I'm going to write my first paycheck. And then when I hit a million dollars in sales, I couldn't do it. I'm like, I'm taking from the company. I can't do it. So it was three years and three months before I wrote my first paycheck. And my first paycheck was less than what all of my employees made. It was $2,000. And I only did it because it was getting awkward with my CPA. And he's like, if you don't start paying yourself, this is going to be a problem if you get audited. So you got to pay yourself something. Trust me, there are women, many women in this room that have been through the same thing. If you've owned your own business, paying yourself is the last yeah. thing on the list. And, and I did wedding makeup. I did, went to people's houses. I did house calls. People say, I'm going to a gala tonight. I would just do these one-offs and go for $75 or $100 to people's houses and, and do their makeup. That's how I paid the bills. But I lived on a budget of about $1,800 a month. If I wanted a new outfit, it was forever 21 because that's all I could afford. And I made it happen. I lived in a really embarrassing apartment complex. I wouldn't let any of my friends come over. <laughs> I had a roommate. My rent was $500 a month after I halved it with her. And I truly lived well below my means to make it work because I knew one day if I worked as hard as I did at Neiman's, it would pay off. Okay, so we got a couple minutes left, and I want to I want to hear two things from you that I know this group will uh, will enjoy. First of all, what you did during COVID, instead of shutting down like a lot of businesses did. Well, I really didn't want to shut down. I, I waited till the day that they made me, which was March 18th. I'll never forget that day. It was about I want to say 10 months after I had my child. It was uh, two months after I'd had a full body lift, and so all my stitches, I was like Frankenstein all over my whole body, um, couldn't lift over five pounds, and they made me close down. And I said, okay, well, I've worked at this point, I think it was you know, eight years, nine years to create this, and I'm not gonna lose everything that I created, and this is not only gonna be for two weeks. I knew it from the very beginning. I was like, this is gonna go on much longer, so this is what I'm gonna do. I sent all my employees home with pay. I said, if you're on the schedule, you're gonna get paid for that. But if you wanna make your commission, which is more than half their salary, you gotta get online and you gotta work. Because at that point, I was the only one posting on social media. No one on my team was doing it. So I sent them all home. They all got on Instagram. And Amber, who's here right now, she's actually a videographer. <laughs> she was so scared to get behind the camera. She was like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> but at that time, she was a single mother of three, and she had to feed her kids. Like, we didn't know how long this was going to last. And she got behind the camera, just like everybody else on my team did, and started doing makeup tutorials. And we were doing $300,000 a month each month that we were closed. So, you know, going March, April, and May, we were doing... We did $600,000 while we were closed. That was more than we would have done if the store was open. And we were killing it. And my team all gained all this confidence to get behind the camera and, and do what I had been doing for all of us. So I that was kind of huge. Yeah. And I feel like that's when I hit a, a huge growth spurt from you know, that year, from 2019 to 2020. It was about a million dollars a year increase in sales because of that. And it captured a lot more people that had never used the brand because friends were telling friends and we were doing these virtual makeup lessons. You could get on, you know, FaceTime or Instagram video and, and do your makeup together with the makeup artist for $25 and you're bored at home doing nothing, you know? And so it created a lot more interest in the brand and I think that really helped us get through and, and sent us to the next level. I love that type of innovation. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just so, so refreshing to hear that. And then the last thing is, you know, this is of course a women's conference and there's a lot of mentors in here and there's a lot of mentees in here. And I know you've been obviously a mentor to a lot of your team and a lot of women uh, in your business, but who were yours? mentors. So I have to say, I mentioned Janet Gerwich already. She's always been someone that I've looked up to. Um, it's kind of the same thing with her story too. She started working at, um, I think it was called Foley's 
back in the day that she worked for and kind of worked her way up to start this brand. And now she's part of a huge private equity group and actually just purchased Laura Mercier back. Um, but she's so driven and I look up to women that are very driven, that work really hard, that put work first. And that's, uh, of course, now I have a family, so family comes first, but work is second. <laughs> um, but she really cares and she's driven and she you know, has an image that she likes to keep. And I, I really you know, enjoy looking up to her. And I think Bobby Brown is the other one, um, just because I feel like she kind of started with the whole education of makeup and I learned so much from her and took a lot of the pieces that I learned from both of those brands to create mine and take all the customer feedback of what annoys them about cosmetics and streamline it and make it easy. So I think if I wouldn't have worked for those two brands, I'd never be where I was at today. And if I would have gotten that promotion at Bobby Brown, I wouldn't be here today. Very well put. Your last words of wisdom for anybody that might be wanting to move up in their business or start their own. Give them a couple of words of wisdom and we'll call it a day. I think just stick with it. Um, right now has not been the best week of my life. It's been one of, you have a lot of ups and downs. Um, a lot of times that you question, why am I doing this? Um, I think social media just, you know, kind of adds fuel to that fire and makes everything a lot harder um, for mental health. I think you just have to put on your blinders. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter. Do what you're doing. Do what you know works. Um, I don't feel like doing copy and paste of what somebody else is doing is going to make you successful. Um, I do feel like, you know, when times get hard, you just have to ignore the noise. Right now, there's a lot of noise. And, um, you know, managing a team is not always easy. But just know that along with the hard days, you're going to have a lot of really good days. And it has to be just an overall balance. And you just have to, you know, mentally coach yourself through the bad days and just keep pushing forward. And as my husband always says, you know, what makes me successful and other entrepreneurs is that when you come to a roadblock, you find a way around it. When other people just give up, if you find a way around that roadblock, you will always be successful. Great. Thank you so much. I don't know about you, but I'm going to get my makeup done right here. Well, actually, I wanted to say, I told Susan, too, um, I had a ton of makeup cards. So I'm going to grab those. If you guys come up to me at the end, I'll give you a free lesson card to come into one of my retail locations and get your makeup done so you can learn about the brand, too. It's totally free. And just come grab me, and I'll give it Whoop, to you. I'm first in line. Y'all get behind me. Thank you so much. Thank Ginger you. Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.